it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. Suddenly, they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their 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 face is like twitching. to Bigfoot Society, a podcast where we focus on cryptids, the strange, and the unexplained of this world. If you've got a story or something weird to share, send an email over to me at bigfootsociety at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And now, on with the show. All right, Bigfoot Society, I've got the pleasure of uh, chatting with a good friend, Mr. Nick Valenzuela. How's it going, Nick? What's up, Jeremiah? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, dude, I've been looking forward to this chat for a while. I I, uh, I enjoy listening, or I shouldn't say listening, reading, uh, reading in Paranormality Magazine. You have some really cool articles that come out, and we're going to talk about that later, but you know, you're, uh, let's, let's talk to the listeners a little bit about what it is you've got going on. So you've got, you're writing stuff for paranormal, paranormality magazine. Uh, you are, uh, you're into 14 stuff, high strangeness, cryptozoology. You're all over the place. You were in a, uh, a show, uh, about champ. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but, uh, what other good stuff does our, uh, audience need to know? Uh, so they can get up to speed about what what you got going on, Nick. Yeah, that thank thank you for the kind words there. That, that I mean that covers a, a good chunk of it. Um, I kind of like jumped into the world of the weird with uh, something called California Creepy Pasta, which I started. Mm. It, it started just sort of as an Instagram, and then it became a website, and just kind of grew from there. Where it was this idea of uh, just kind of getting out on the road out here in California, where I'm from. Yes. And just sort of exploring digital urban legends that kind of popped up on the internet, you know, the crybaby bridge type of stuff where it's like, hey, apparently people say that if you show up to this place, this certain thing happens. And I kind of thought it'd be cool to just grab a camera, jump out there and see if there was anything to the stories and just kind of take people to the actual places and give them sort of a uh, a boots on the ground style look at, at where some of the most like infamous legends in, in California started. And then the the rest is history. I just sort of, uh, you know, uh, was able to get some cool opportunities from that. And uh, now I'm, uh, you know, a full 100% uh, uh, guy that looks into weird stuff. So it's uh, it's been fun. That's awesome. Um, man, so that's already a little bit more that I, I didn't know about yet, which is awesome. I love that. Uh, and you were in, you've been involved with some uh, some of the clubhouse rooms uh, way back. And always yeah. enjoyable when you're in there. I always like listening to those. Um, but that's that's really interesting about California uh, creepy pasta. Uh, that I that's a part I didn't know that 
you know, you're focused on the digital legends, the newer legends. What's the cutoff for something to be considered a digital legend time wise? I also I also jumped into like classic legends too. It the, okay. the idea sort of spun from the, those like digital urban legends that kind of started. That's sort of where the creepy pasta name came from. Sure, uh, creepy pasta sort of a portmanteau. If you're familiar with the term, where it's uh, an amalgamation of two words. There used to be copy paste or copy pasta back in the day, where basically there were these stories that would pop up on the internet without a source. And they would just mm. kind of get copy and pasted around and passed around. And that really kind of exploded in sort of the, you know, the horror community and, and kind of the paranormal community where they would just write these like stories and, and kind of pass them around. And they became these digital urban legends. And I, you know, I kind of thought it'd be cool to explore some of that out here in California. Okay. So California creepy pasta kind of just uh, rolled off the tongue. Um, but then, you know, I also had 100% love for the classic stuff, Patterson Gilman film, the Whaley house, Winchester mystery house. We got a lot of the oh, heavy yeah. out here. Um, so I wanted to include everything um, that I could. And I just thought like uh, I would probably, it would take a really long time to run out of content if I just kept, you know, going because California is huge. Um, as I have uh, put the miles on my car, uh, I've gone up and down the state and uh, there's, there's a legend basically in every little crevice of every little town. And uh, it's a really cool place. I mean, it's not a place a lot of people associate with, you know, having at the forefront of your mind with a spooky place. It's kind of like the place right. of stars and sunshine and Silicon Valley and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a lot out here. And it's uh, it's it's been a, a passion project that uh, has uh, given me some really amazing opportunities that I really didn't think anything would come of it. I was shocked that really anybody even paid any attention to what i was doing but it's it's been really really fun that is that is awesome that it all started with it just being a a passion project on social media Mm -hmm. and and then it morphed into a website and then somewhere along the way you got hooked up with paranormality magazine started writing for them somewhere along the way you got yourself into the tv show looking for champ like that's gotta that's that's a really cool cool adventure it kind of you know i would say good advice from that that i take is uh be careful kids what you put on the internet because you never know what is watching or who is watching i guess what is watching too in some cases but <laughs> that is true actually <laughs> i have learned that also oh um, really <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, goodness no 100 percent accurate with that you uh yeah you you um you never know who's gonna stumble across your stuff and and uh for for good or bad right um you oh, know, yeah uh, it's uh it's out there for everybody to see and um very luckily on my part it's it's been uh 100% positive. So so let's go over um, a few of the things that you you have uh, investigated. What what have been some of your top top things that you've investigated over the years with uh, with California uh, creepypasta? Um, we'll probably get definitely more in depth uh, in depth into into this later. But I, for sure, the the number one thing I think that 
I kind of explored with California Creepypasta and, and what kind of blossomed was the Fresno Nightcrawler story. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I feel, you know, and I, and I say this um, not to sound pretentious or, or up, up, you know, uh, in my own way of, of anything, but I feel like it's it may be the, the singular story that I've done that was able to uncover more uh, new information and more information that was previously out there. Um, so it felt like real journalistic, uh, oh, yeah. you know, um, uh, investigating, uh, and I, um, I loved every single step of that. It was multi, multi-layered and multiple parted where I initially just kind of found the house. I was able to get in contact with the family. I was able to explore the story a little bit more, but, um, to me, that was, uh, it was just uh, kind of a dream come true to really kind of have maybe one of the more um, uh, infamous cryptids sort of be something that I, that I was able to explore uh, to, to a degree that hadn't really been done yet. Uh, other yeah. things that I've really enjoyed with California creepypasta have been some, some kind of like nuanced things like um, I got to kayak all of Lake Tahoe and look for Tahoe Tessie. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the lake uh, monster, and that kind of led to me go- looking into Champ on TV uh, later on. That's kind of where that initially stemmed from, um, and just kind of getting to check out um, some places that are normally kind of off limits uh, to certain people uh, at certain times. I was able to do some cool stuff at the Whaley House, um, the Winchester Mystery House, and, um, uh, and just like some of those classic haunted house places. Um, and yeah, the California creepypasta has afforded me, uh, those opportunities. Whereas, uh, flashback 10 years ago, you know, I, I would have just been a random person asking for permission to do things and probably told no. So <laughs> I I'm very interested in that little talk we had there. Cause I, I personally want to know. So like, so those are, um, I know Winchester mystery house is like, uh, a, a very, uh, kind of spooky place in uh, California you could go to, but you're saying like you, you dropped, Hey, I'm with California creepypasta. Like, how did that conversation go that you were able to get into places that, you know, normal Joe off the street wouldn't have been able to to do like, how did, how did that all go down? I'm sure. Curious. I mean, it honestly, the, the best advice I could probably give to anybody that that's trying to do anything remotely like this is, is really just ask. Um, I, I can't, I, you know, I can't really say there there's a secret sauce or anything special to it other than, um, reaching out to whoever is in control of, uh-huh. uh, uh, marketing or media with whatever place you're trying to get to and just shooting them an email, um, and just saying, Hey, this is me link your stuff. I think at first you sort of have to maybe build some, some stuff to look at. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, that um, makes sense. Yeah. So people can do it. And, and the best way to do that is just get out there and do it. Make, make stuff from scratch. That's really what I did. And then, um, you know, if, if you come off um, professional enough, I suppose I, I can't claim that I feel 100% <laughs> professional all the time, but uh, you know, I, uh, if, if you, um, you know, and you, I think you also have to sort of present, um, you're not doing anything to cause any damage to any property or right. you're not looking to, um, you know, do anything uh, chaotic or insane. 
mm-hmm. you know, you might you might be granted or afforded some opportunities to to look into some some stuff. I've also been turned down a whole bunch of times, uh, different different things. So, sure. um, you know, you just kind of have to ask. And a lot of times, um, you know, you might be surprised what what some of the answers you get back are. I'm sure you've also experienced this as well with getting interviews. I I got to interview Lauren Coleman, you know, which is something that yeah, I'm, I'm not like. I'm, oh my I'm, God. Ex- I'm extremely happy for you that you were able to get that privilege. That's one way I'm going to say that because yeah. how have I tried many times, but like, that's a, it's an amazing interview too. Like I, um, I built, yeah, that was in the magazine, right? It was, it was in the magazine. Yeah. 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 I, I had a, a little brain thing there for a second, but I, I was like, yeah, I read that. It was good too. Like, hats off to you man it's it's a good interview thank you thank you it was um i think um yeah i think lauren you know he's he's somebody that uh you know uh um uh takes his time very seriously as he exactly so he's um uh, the only way i was able to interview him was uh at 6 a i i'm out on the west coast he's he's in maine on on the east right I right. interview him at six a.m. in the morning, so that's I, like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I and it was um, it was very last second. Literally, yep. like he called me on the phone unexpectedly. Um, oh wow! I woke up and looked at my phone, um, <laughs> and saw a main uh, area code. And luckily, even in my grogginess and in my sleep state, I recognized, oh my gosh, I think this is Lauren Coleman. You're like, oh, so 207. I, um, yeah, I I, yeah. I chugged some water to get that like morning voice out and yep. kind of coughed a couple of times and, you know, and, and uh, picked up the phone and had to do the, the interview like right there on the spot. It was, and I had to scramble for my notes, um, oh, but it was so good. Yeah, it was a dream come true. And he, you know, obviously the man's a, a wealth of knowledge and a um, huge, huge dream come true for sure. It was it was cool. And just getting to like, you know, ask him questions was, was uh, you know, at, at times I had to like refocus because you're just sort of like fanboying like, oh. Yeah, wow. exactly. <laughs> I, no, I totally get that. I mean, I think those sometimes are the best interviews because it's like, you, you almost it's like you get slapped in the back of your head you caught off guard and you're like ah, and then it's like it but it, it that's the best stuff sometimes is when you're like not in your zone right you just like uh exactly. hopefully you've done a little bit of prep beforehand but like with the uh i i do open phone lines for bigfoot society and sometimes i get people call in i'm like oh, i wish i could have prepared for you but sure. like this is really cool that i'm talking to you you know but uh, <laughs> uh let's talk so the the haunted haunted houses uh or the the, uh, the spooky houses. Did anything cool come come out of that? Any uh, interesting stuff, or or what did yeah. you find in there? The I think the most interesting thing that I ever captured wasn't at one of the haunted houses. Um, it uh, and I know this is on my Instagram for sure. I mm-hmm. was at a place called Devil's Gate Dam. Ironically enough, I was talking to Lauren Coleman. It was about the whole devil names and and oh yeah, totally. weirdness associated with with that phenomenon. And uh, so I, I was at a place called Devil's Gate Dam mm. in Pasadena, which was famous for a lot of uh, stuff, weird stuff Jack Parsons did way back in the day. He was- Oh, like, rut row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's this giant like rock outcrop that looks like the, you know, the stereotypical head of the devil out there. And it's, it's really bizarre. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, wow. No it's, uh, uh, there's, uh, pictures of it on, on my Instagram. It's, it's creepy. It, it's definitely a creepy. Wow. Way. That whole Arroyo sec, they call it the Arroyo Seco Triangle. Okay. Where it's like the suicide bridge is out there, and then there's like the Cobb estate, which is like this ruined grounds of this mansion. Um, all creepy stuff. Pasadena is a weird area, too, obviously, with the, the Parsons connections. Um, but I was exploring that that cave or, or that dam, and there's kind of like um, a, a flood entry area where you can go into sort of the right underneath the devil's head. Mm. Um, and, and I was in there. Uh, this is like at 3 a.m. in the morning. I, I was totally alone. I was trying mm. to. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> you're, you're you're a younger guy, though, right? Like, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in my 30s. I, I you Real? Know. Oh, man. Hats off to you. Okay, go for it, dude. That's great, man. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's you got sometimes you just got to kind of. You just got to do it. it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, and, I, and I was checking it out and I caught. Um, a super audible laugh um, that that's on there. That's it's super clear to hear. I didn't hear it with my own ears. You can see me in the video, like adjusting my camera. Uh, I could shoot you a, a, a DM of that. If you want to like um, check that out too. It's a, uh, it, it's very audible. It's very clear. Um, wow. And at the time I wasn't aware of this. Um, the, the legends associated with that particular part of the dam uh the uh the native the indigenous people of the area would say that the coyote spirit was in there and it was it would laugh constantly no they would hear laughing dude. coming out of it um so that's exactly what i caught uh oh, and then parsons and all that connection with the trickster god and and all that kind of stuff it, it all kind of like culminated it was it was very odd um and one other part to that story that's not really out there. I think I've told the story a couple times, um, but uh, at one point when I was in the dam, I thought I saw for a split second. It's the only time I could ever really say anything like this happened to me. I thought I saw somebody in like a white robe kind of thing. It was for a split second. No and it way. Almost felt like it was in my my mind's eye, but I never Ooh. said that. I never said that to a soul. I thought that I was like, ah, I think I'm just kind of freaking myself out. Um, so I have a friend who she claims to have some like psychic medium abilities. I showed her the video, just kind of, you know, being a little cheeky and fun. And she turned to me and she said, you know that there's a person standing behind you. And I said, really? And she says, yes, they're, they're in a white robe and they're, but they're sort of like half phasing in and out. There's like, only like back to the future, dude. Yeah. And she claimed that like, you could only, she could see like a diagonal portion of them. Ooh. And I never told anybody that's exactly what I saw. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think I was alone in that cave. So I think as far as evidence goes uh, of me checking, making any of these little videos or taking pictures, I think that would definitely take wow. the cave yeah nick that is wild man that would i don't know how i would handle that man like <laughs> it would take a few days of decompressing <laughs> after that and being like i don't know man 
That's yeah, it. yeah, I yeah, it was it was it was quite a quite a thing to do for sure. Um, but I'll have to shoot you uh, the the raw footage. Oh, of that. dude, that would be awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, just something that came to mind uh, when I think of like digital legends, and I don't even know if this one is associated with California, so it might just be a shot in the dark. But uh, have you ever looked into like the rake at all? Oh man, Jeremiah, that is oh, funny. Oh no, because <laughs> <laughs> I am right now. The rake is probably uh, like the number one thing I'm focused on in my life right now. As really, we- yeah, dude, yeah. synchronicity, hellier stuff. We just had to happen right there, man. It's so funny you you even said that <laughs> too because it's no. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's my life basically right now. It's funny the hellier stuff. I know they get a lot of uh, they get a lot of heat for for all the synchronicity stuff. But my goodness, and I mean that in in all good jest, right? Sure, it, sure. Yeah, it, they're great. But the mo- when you really start looking into this stuff like that, you get the synchronicity, like totally evil for sure. Um, because with paranormality we yeah. are working on a documentary feature like it's in the very early stages but it, a huge portion of it is about the rake and um there's so much stuff to the rake that uh i have learned and uncovered and uh yeah it's it's uh it's a huge part of my life right now so yes dude, I, have- I think that's breaking i think that's breaking news dude I, I think it is. I don't think we've talked about that. Uh, right. Yeah, publicly. But no, it's... Um, no one listens to this. Don't is, worry. <laughs> the project is kind of my baby, too. So I think I'm I'm at liberty to definitely like give some hints about it and talk about it. That's also... Um, I've kind of dropped off uh, on like Instagram and, and, uh, and, sure. and just posting lately. Um, I'm trying my best to get back to it. But a huge portion of that is dealing with this project just um getting something like this off the ground the the scale of what it's going to be is almost like a full-time job so it's um wow it's crazy that you brought that up Uh, yeah (laughs) i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a weird cut point segue just in case i have to cut that out you let me know later um so hey yeah we're talking about california legends in the rake and so i'm just you know you mentioned that uh earlier that you've uh you know, you've been investigating that. Uh, can you share anything that you you found so far? Or are you kind of keeping it under wraps uh, for the future? I could definitely share. So there's actually an existing article right now um, in Paranormality Magazine where oh, um, I, I interviewed Lon Strickler, who mm. um, he released a book. I want to say 2021 called the humanoids um and it kind of deals with the idea of the rake and the pale crawler and where that kind of that cross um uh idea kind of comes from and and the i you know it explores the ideas of egregores and tulpas and and mimetic viruses kind of jumping in into the world in in a in a living way um so what i kind of uncovered uh in the article is there's sort of a I kind of make the argument that there's a rake triangle out in California that kind of what starts from uh, outside the Sacramento area and it kind of jumps into the Sierra Nevada mountain range oh, and no. then down toward uh, Fresno Yosemite and like kind of ironically I know we love triangles right 
Um, but it kind of does form the shape of a triangle if, if you if you look at it. Um, and there's been a lot of reports of kind of bait like like classic rake looking creatures outside of Sacramento um, in the Antelope area. And there's a small town called Loomis where they've seen them. Lon actually has posted a, some stuff on his uh, Phantom and Monsters uh, website uh, regarding those stories. Um, and they're just these classic rake looking looking creatures. And then if you jump to the Sierra Nevada mountain range, you go a little bit e- northeast in California. There's the legend of this really creepy uh, rake-like entity called Penelope. The the name doesn't really fit. The, oh no! But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's near the like Mono Lake area, um, and it's uh, there's a it's a very creepy pasta backstory about like uh, uh, a scorned uh, woman who sort of has devolved into the this creature. There's a million different versions of the legend, but basically, yeah, it's uh, this uh, carnivorous rake-like entity now that that kind of roams that area. And then you go down to Yosemite Fresno, uh, you get a re- kind of an offshoot version of the rake in the in the in the night crawlers um, outside of Yosemite, and then in Fresno. Uh, so yeah, the the rake is just it's an interesting thing, right? You can trace it back, just like Slenderman. You can trace it back to having these creepy pasta roots, but now people are reporting actual sightings, and some of the stuff really kind of ties into the old legend of the ghoul. Um, but there's definitely some more stuff that I've uncovered that um, is even weirder than that. That will definitely wow. I'm looking forward to that, man. <laughs> so the idea behind it is that the the thought so we may have to, there may be a few people that don't know what we're talking about and they're imagining a guy holding a plastic rake and like, what's so scary about that? (laughs) So let's start where it's like, how do you, what's your, uh, your summary description of, of what we're dealing with, with, uh, when you say the rake. So the rake is basically, uh, if anyone's ever seen the movie The Descent, I believe oh, is what it's called. Movie, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much a <laughs> carbon copy of what those creatures were in that movie. It's these very gangly, pale-looking, humanoid, almost vampiric-like um, entities, creatures. They're sort of an offshoot of... Um, of uh, They almost look like a version of Count Orlock or Nos- Nosferatu, right? From oh, yeah. that old movie. Uh-huh. Um, what was that that um monster on the X Files that would like crawl in the in the sewers? I think it was um it almost looks like that too. I think of it as like a really, really uh bad attitude golem, but like way worse. Right. That's a that's another excellent way to, to describe yeah. it. Very, very similar in that way. So basically, and they're they're seen as often crawling on all fours. Um uh, that's why they've sort of get, been given the name also as pale crawlers, just very mm. gaunt, gangly, crawling uh, entities. Uh, they've been seen that th- there's an uptick definitely in, in sightings of these things. And, uh, you know, the argument is, is this something that's been here for a really long time and <clears throat> is, you know, just accidentally tied into this creepy pasta that was created or how much do you give uh, stock in the idea that believing in something, enough people believing in something 
can potentially manifest, uh, uh, you know, an entity or there's sort of the third idea of, of, um, you know, all paranormal stuff is sort of its own sort of consciousness and its own sort of idea. And it just presents itself in whatever mask or whatever thing it thinks is going to scare you the most and uh, presents itself in either these now real world uh, fictional ideas. So there's a lot of places you could run with that idea, but there is something to these stories that are popping up more and more. It's weird, dude. It's, it's so, so weird. And I think the weirdest part just because I've been there is that it, you keep bringing up the Yosemite area. Mm-hmm. And like I've been to the Yosemite back about seven, eight years ago. And I'll tell you, man, when you're driving out there, like for one, you lose cell reception an hour outside the park at least. And then like there's some parts and like you get some weird vibes in there, dude. <laughs> and this is before I was in like Bigfoot and stuff. I was just getting weird vibes in there. But, you know, um, Man, oh, that's going to be such a good doc when it comes out. I'm excited for <laughs> for the future when you guys uh, you guys get into that. Um, I mean, just by uh, you know, we can we can talk about uh, you know another thing that you've investigated is um, you know the uh, the Fresno Nightcrawlers, which like right now, man, for some reason, like people love the Fresno Nightcrawlers, like they just love it, but it's not really that old a cryptid right yeah two, 2007 is when the, the, yeah so we're actually uh as of our time recording this we're about a week away from the 15 year anniversary of uh the, the video being recorded i believe it was november 5th 2007 so um yeah it's only 15 years i couldn't it, it uh couldn't even get a drink right now if it wanted to <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so wild and it's like a lot of people, you know, think of it as like, oh, it's such a funny cryptid. It's like, you know, something walking around with big white pants on. Ha 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 ha. But the crazy thing is, is like, you know, the articles you've written for Paranormality, like you really, really dug deep into this story and found out some cool stuff. Do you mind sharing about like, you know, it's that it's something where, you know, you were like, I'm just going to start looking into the the. Um, the night crawlers or like how did that come up come about for you to get into it for sure yeah it is uh it's probably right now like my um my pride and joy totally. of, of stories um yeah just uh it it kind of came to me where you know it, it, originally in the idea of california creepypasta i was trying to get to all these locations and i was trying to find like this is where this happened or this is where this happened and so, obviously, being out in California, that's a very notable California story. I just looked into, okay, where, where did this take place? And I couldn't find the information anywhere. It wasn't really available online. So it was yeah. sort of a, a mystery. So that's kind of where it started for me was finding the actual location of the house. Once once I did that, I had kind of posted that and uh, was like, cool. But it, it kept nagging at me over time where I wanted to really kind of speak to the family. I was like, well, I know where the house is. Can I make a connection with the family? Can I ask some questions that maybe haven't been answered? And I wanted to just really kind of do this deep dive investigation into everybody that was involved at the time with the story. Um, 
So a little bit of background, a little bit of context on the story. It, it happened on November 5th, I believe, 2007. Uh, the man who recorded the footage, his name was Jose. He There were break-ins uh, and, and uh, they were stealing bikes, I believe, in the neighborhood. So he set mm-hmm. up a, a CCTV camera in the front part of his house. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to kind of make sure nobody's stealing his, uh, his bike or, you know, going on his property. The way he told the story was that they started to hear the dogs barking in the neighborhood, like going insane. Um, and he looked at his monitor and saw what we all now know and love, wow. like the, the Fresno night crawlers, uh, you know, these two little pant looking uh, cryptids that walk across his lawn. And, you know, the, the rest is history. The, the, the footage got to Univision. Uh, and aired on TV, and then Univision got in contact with a MUFON investigator named Victor Camacho, and they brought him out um, to to initially uh, examine the footage. He he actually didn't initially get to go to the house, um, but then he eventually did make some. Um, he was invited over by the family, and and um, he did his investigation, and it kind of just wrapped up from there, um, and. Shortly after, uh, a few years later, I should say, um, word had kind of gotten out that Jose, the man who had recorded the footage, had passed away. And that is kind of where the story died. That's kind of where, it, you know, it was just left and the night callers wow. were left to to kind of live in, infam- in infamy. And, uh, you know, now they're all over Etsy and, and you know, everybody. Oh, they are. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody's drawing them and they're, they're kind of the cute cryptid, right? Yeah. Um, you know, every time I think I bring up the night crawlers, even to people who aren't necessarily interested in the, the scarier aspects of, 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 uh, this whole world, they, they love the night crawlers. They think they're really adorable things. So the thing that kept sticking out to me, that I could never really 100% shake is whenever I saw any sort of footage or got any sort of uh, um, uh, uh, ability to, to kind of see where Jose's mindset was at the time, he was deathly afraid of these things. And to me, that kind of didn't really make sense. It was like the rest of the world has this very, very, loving and and uh uh you know like they, they they think these things are the cutest thing ever they have this very like loving reaction to these things and the guy that experienced them was very adamant that he was terrified of what was going on so that to me just kept ringing some alarm bells like there's something else going on here that i i don't know has ever been kind of pressed upon so I was able to finally get in contact with the family. I was able to go to the the Nightcrawler house and and interview the wow. family and, and talk to them about everything that went on. I was able to interview Victor Camacho, who was the initial investigator um, there, and I was able to kind of get a bunch of information that wasn't really out there and oh, I really love it. changed the story uh, completely around as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I'll kind of start with, um, you know, they, after the nightcrawler incident had happened, uh, they essentially started to see what they, the family described as ghost children 
just kind of popping in and out of their house. They would see them, um, you know, walking across their kitchen, like uh, the mother of the family saw a baby crawl across the, their kitchen floor. Um, Jose and his brother both witnessed a child uh, uh, just sort of manifest in their closet. But the one glaring detail that they described to me about all these kids that they were seeing, which instantly sort of caught my attention, uh, was that every time they saw these kids, they had solid black eyes. Oh, man. <laughs> You're going there, Nick. Come on. Yep. <laughs> Come on, Nick. Don't put that on my podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so if anybody's familiar with the Black Eyed Kids lore and legend, Black Eyed Children, David yeah. Lee has written extensively about them. Yep. These are these kids that show up at your property and they demand to, you know, some sort of to be let in. They, they're, they're asking for some sort of permission or entry to be allowed into your, your house or, or what have you. Um, and, you know, they're kind of looked at as these paranormal parasites that feed off of fear. They create these, you know, they're kids, but everybody that encounters them claims that they had this insane immense amount of fear and they were terrified. And so now I'm being told this by the family and I'm starting to understand. And then, you know, what the context of Jose the original man who took the footage, his sense of dread and fear, the story was starting to kind of change for me a little wow. bit uh, to where now this made a little bit more sense. And at, uh, essentially they informed me at one point that they told the kids like, you can stay here. You can, you can. Oh no. Yeah. You can, uh, you know, stay at our house. It's fine. We give you permission to stay they had they never told me that that was something the kids ever outwardly asked for but they had this sense that they they didn't want to mess with them so they they thought giving them permission and access was fine um so you know the the story of the night crawlers kind of is a disguise for a black eyed kid story in a way oh, um and you know this this is somewhat of a of a controversial statement, I, I suppose, but Jose did pass away shortly thereafter. And it's sort of, Oh, wow. You know, one of those things where it was questionable. It's like, what, okay, well, what was going on here? Um, you know, and the family informed me that basically after he had passed their, their sightings of the kids happened less frequently, they would still see them, but, uh, you know, it, it was a lot less frequent. So it was like, did they get what they were looking for? Um, mm. Victor Camacho, who, uh, you know, initially um, examined the Nightcrawler's footage, the initial footage claims that at a couple different frames, you can see when one of the Nightcrawlers walks across the lawn, it looks up and its eyes are solid black. I believe there's a video on YouTube where somebody color grades out all the the light or whatever and it's very obvious that the night callers have two solid black eyes um so in the article i somewhat make this argument that were the night crawlers just perhaps some kind of putty and you know that oh, like an yeah. early version of what eventually was seen um so it's it's a very curious story it's 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 quite interesting 
Um, one other really, really, really random but interesting thing that kind of spun off of that is as we were talking kind of earlier about Hellier and, and how the right. phenomenon somewhat kind of winks at you or the synchronicities. Um, prior to the Nightcrawler story, the story I had written for the magazine was um, uh, on the devil's names and, and the, those places. And I, I went to a place called Devil's, um, uh, Devil's Den in uh, Arkansas, which is a, oh, yeah. a a spot where a man wrote uh, two books called um, Incident at Devil's Den. Uh, his name is Terry Lovelace, and he talks about this abduction experience that he that he had at Devil's Den. And he told me this entire story about as he was a child, he would see these like monkey men come into his room, and prior Whoa. to like any sort of abduction experiences. And one thing he informed me was a really odd detail about the monkey men were that. Uh, they look like little circus monkeys, okay. but it looked like they were wearing paper plates with cut out eyes over their faces. What? Super weird detail, right? So I, I, I take note of that. Uh-huh. And that's that's in the, the article. Fast forward to the, you know, a month later or whatever, when I'm doing the Fresno Nightcrawlers article, uh, Rogelio, who is the brother of Jose, who's, who's Rogelio is still alive at, at the house, informed me that when he saw the black-eyed kid in Jose's closet, he said it looked like he was wearing a paper plate over his face and he could just see the black eyes. And it was such a bizarre uh, to have those, something so random like that come up twice. Uh, felt like the phenomenon in a way or whatever was winking at me. Like I, you know. I mean, it, big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um oh man so strange so after that i um i really got into kind of the whole like faceless beings and and looking into that kind of stuff and um uh and trying to find anything and everything i could um and surprisingly i was able to find a couple of different stories out there um of beings that appear to almost have uh uh faceless uh features um i asked around a lot there was i didn't get a lot of feedback on on that the only person who really kind of um sent me some some interesting stuff and she's amazing is uh her name's zilia edgar oh totally yeah yeah from midwest yeah she comes out to the uh well she was uh two years ago she's at the van meter visitor festival yeah Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She definitely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She, she pointed me in some direction. It was awesome. Just, it was like, okay, somebody knows about this or wow. encountered such a, a niche, weird um, uh, uh, detail in, in all these things, but it was uh, so creepy. Um, you know, it paints a picture of maybe something weirder, larger going on here, but uh, that nightcrawler story definitely had a lot more twists and turns than i was initially ex- uh, expecting there's i even point out in the article which is a little um extreme i think so i've gotten uh, some interesting comments on it but i even make the argument that the night crawlers just in general are somewhat of a triangular shape so um one detail about the video is prior to seeing the night crawlers that there's you can arguably say there's a flash of light and then the nightcrawlers sort of just walk across the, the lawn. 
I asked the family, did they have a floodlight at the time? They couldn't recall. Um, but there, there does seem to be like a flash of light and then the night colors pop out. So one thing that I sort of point out in the article is in like Goetian summoning rituals, the triangle is very important. Some people argue that with like black triangle UFOs and summoning creatures and summoning Oh man. So I don't know. There, there might have been something really dark or really weird going on with the Nightcrawler story, and it's not as cute anymore in that way. But was- oh, I think we're we're way past the point where <laughs> those guys are not cute anymore. Like, if there's like, you know, uh, black eyed kids involved, like, how cute sure. can the the Nightcrawlers be? Like, sure. And know, I'm man. I'm definitely not one of those people that tries to paint everything in the paranormal being evil or scary mm-hmm, or. Mm-hmm but i mean all the, the signs facts are facts dude yeah yeah all the signs in the story kind of seem to point to something somewhat relevant, or at least um you know looking to take something from somebody and uh that's kind of where the story is for me i, I um it's definitely uh an interesting case i think way more interesting than maybe just a couple of funny looking pant creatures walking across the lawn <laughs> yeah yeah totally or like um i, I feel terrible because i don't know the artist's name but like there's these stickers on etsy where it's uh-huh. like have you seen the cat cryptids <laughs> where it's like this white cat that's like supposed to be the fresno nightcrawler is just wearing these high water white pants it's oh like, i think i have it's seen so it. funny <laughs> um how does yosemite start to how does yosemite play into the nightcrawlers because I know it's connected somehow, right? It is. So shortly after the Nightcrawlers video, I want to say it was two or three years later, um, another video kind of surfaced online that was supposedly right outside of Yosemite National Park. Okay. And it was these much longer uh, night version of a Nightcrawler. They, they, they had this really funny gait and stride, but it's kind of the only other video at the mm. time that was out there that that looked similar Yosemite's not terribly far from Fresno they're they're kind of within a reasonable distance of each other so it sort of um also became part of the you know the the lore in that area that okay there there's something going on here you had mentioned earlier about uh going to Yosemite and and uh you know feeling some funny vibes totally and, uh, everybody has their their different opinions on kind of the missing 411 stuff oh but, sure yeah Mm-hmm. That is the biggest cluster area that the Politis has out there is, is Yosemite National. Oh, is Park. it really? It is. Okay. Um, and we were talking about the rake and yeah. the nightcrawlers kind of almost being this offshoot of the rake. The the Miwok people of the of the area, um, I believe they had a, a legend around Bridal Veil Falls, which is this really mm. famous uh waterfall out there that kind of had these like ghoulish rake-like uh creatures that that were around that area so there was sort of a precedent there for um kind of these weird humanoid being creatures that that somewhat uh stalked the area and them and the lore is that they were carnivorous and uh you know were were dangerous so there's potentially something just weird in in that area or there's some kind of lore or legend that maybe manifests from time to time or 
uh, just something odd going on for sure. I mean, Yosemite is, is a whole other can of worms, but yeah, these humanoid creatures. So yeah, I'm curious so. that you, the legend you mentioned about uh, the bridal veil falls. So is that mm-hmm. something that you've actually seen in, in print or is that also like, you know, um, uh, something that you're able to track down on the internet or like, what's the, what's a, a source for that? I'm just curious. A couple of different sources. I, the one that sticks out to me the most is um, I believe the book's called Veiled Destinies by Walter Bosley. Um, okay. Where I believe it's chap. Well, I sound like a nerd, but I believe it's chapter eight. He, hey, it's uh, awesome. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> he opens up the chapter with uh, an examination of uh, Yosemite some of the lore and legends and how that ties into the, the missing 411 stuff. And I believe that's like the main source where he points out. Okay. Um, and this is a, this guy is a former FBI agent. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So he's, he's not just kind of writing books and doesn't really have a, a, a you know, a, a pedigree background. This is the guy that knows his stuff. Um, so gotcha. Uh, is it newer book or? I believe it is. I believe it's okay. probably a year old. Um, okay, interesting. I I'll probably it have it somewhere lying around my room here, but yeah, <laughs> it's a hmm. uh, uh, secret missions, veiled destinies, or, or, or something like that. But Walter wow. Bosley, if you Google Walter Bosley okay. books, I'm sure it'll it'll come up. He um, he's done a lot of interesting um, research into kind of a. Uh, um, occult mysteries in california so he's a interesting um the thing i love about what you're doing and just kind of had this like thought in my head a few minutes ago is that you know we uh, we live in a time where on youtube there's joe whoever's faces and he's got this channel where he's like i'm gonna read you some mysteries kids and oh they're gonna be creepy and i hope you don't get scared cha-ching and then (laughs) it's like but you are actually taking the time to do the research and not just be like i'm gonna throw up and i'm sure people get ripped at you know me saying stuff like that but it's like (laughs) come on like let's actually take the time to do the investigation about these stories and we're not just like putting up videos for for views and stuff so hats off It's, it's very cool what you're doing i appreciate it man yeah i i always do really try to um uh, find the sources or, or, you know, find uh, evidence that kind of matches together for, for any of this stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy topic for sure. You know, it's, it's really hard to, to nail this stuff down. I mean, if it, if it was, then we, you know, would, uh, you know, we, you'd probably be interviewing Bigfoot at some point. right? So, oh, heck yes. Yeah. He's on the, he's on the list, dude. <laughs> so it's, it's tough, but I, when, when, and whenever possible, I, I always try to like have those sources down and I always do my best to try to remember as, as I said, you know, chapter eight, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, which a lot of people can't do. Um, what was it like, uh, what was it like getting to go out to to New England to look for for Champ? How was that? That was, you know, kind of out of the California area. So definitely, I, I had never been to Vermont. That was my first time awesome. uh, uh, out there. Um, it was a dream come true. That was honestly just an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, beautiful area. Lake Champlain is a beautiful lake, but. It is having the opportunity to go out there to 
do a cryptozoological investigation was just icing on the cake and um you know being able to do it in, in a way where uh it was going to be something that was presented to you know a mass audience in a way what was uh, a dream come true and and it felt like we were doing something really fun and really uh, special uh so that was uh, a dream like i said dream come true i i grew up on uh paranormal tv or you know yeah. these documentaries i mean as a kid i was i watched i think every episode of sightings uh if you recall oh, that nice show. yeah dude i think you can find those on youtube maybe yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Not on youtube yeah. i used to i used to always ask as a kid this i hand to god this is a true story as a kid i would ask adults hey so in the background of sightings there was like the main host um and he would kind of be speaking about what whatever mystery was going on but there would always be people in the background like typing on a computer and nice. it looked like they were doing some sort of investigative research and i used to ask adults like how do you get that job how what were like oh that's so cool yeah <laughs> and you know obviously never got a, a real answer so i think that getting the opportunity to do something on on tv was kind of like a a, a a life fulfillment dream of a young me i think uh, so wanting yeah. to do that so yeah awesome stuff so what are your uh your thoughts do you think there is actually a champ out there or you know after having gone out and investigated what do you think is something's going on out there oh i i 100 believe uh, their right. champ is, is is out there um what champ is is up to a lot of interpretation there's there's some i definitely came across some weirder stories in regards to champ um you know one of the funny things that sandra mancy who took kind of the most mm -hmm. famous photo um pointed out was that uh champ moved robotically and that when it opened its mouth like an obscene amount of water came gushing out and before it like back <laughs> underwater and right. i just i i've never heard anybody really talk about that 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 description it's so strange and bizarre um and on lake champlain at that time if you rewind the calendar back about 13 months uh on the southernmost point of lake champlain there was the a bear road incident oh yeah yeah, the, the, yeah, they seen uh, Bigfoot with glowing red eyes, and right? Exactly, yeah. So, um, that was only 13 months before the Mansi photo was taken. Um, oh, that's wild, yeah. And then there's a couple of like nuclear installations along Lake Champlain that had mm. UFO reports, okay, flying over them within that 13 months. So there was something weird going on at Lake Champlain, I think, dude. I love it in that 13 yeah. month span uh i interview um a couple of different eyewitnesses on, on the show um and uh on mysteries decoded and this didn't really make it to air but the, all, uh, most of the eyewitnesses that i talked to that had seen champ multiple times were also having somewhat emotional things going on in their lives like deaths happening oh um, yeah so so just weird stuff um, there is a weird book that I read called Lake Monster Traditions that kind of ties the idea of lake monsters sort of being these these fairies between 
the living world and the oh really world the dead yeah so Whoa. there's some weird stuff that you know i think was a little much for maybe uh network tv that really wanted to kind of take (laughs) (laughs) this will be for the mysteries decoded patreon no doubt exactly exactly yeah where it was like oh okay let's let's not ask two crazy questions here you know that's awesome that you got that though I, I, I try, like I, I, that you found that in the book, I guess I should say, you know, for sure. I, yeah. I 100% wanted to treat champ flesh and blood, cryptozoological. Yep. Let's, let's figure out a way to see if there could actually be a creature here in the lake, but I never wanted to completely close the door on potentially the supernaturally stuff going mm-hmm. on too. Um, so after all the stuff that I encountered and, and all the people I spoke to, there's a story that didn't make it onto the show either that involved like electric fog. Um, yeah. Um, Christine, she was the the 93 year old woman. I believe I interviewed on the show. Okay. She lived on Lake Champlain her entire life. Wow. Um, uh, saw champ, like a, a mama champ and a baby champ come out of Lake Champlain, but kind of come out of this like electric looking fog that like permeated into her room um and she said she could feel like tingles on her skin um Mm. so just like if you keep hearing these weird stories it was sort of like i think something strange is happening when it comes to to lake champlain and champ um the edna evidence at the end of the show spoiler alert uh doesn't necessarily (laughs) add up to champ being in the lake but also the 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 biologist that i spoke to and the people that that did the the testing of the edna um said that in order to completely rule out champ being in the lake we would have had to have take samples from all different parts of the lake it was just the Mm. the specific part we took samples from within a, a general radius of that area there were no there was no evidence of anything odd or unusual in the lake that they couldn't account for um, but that doesn't necessarily deem the whole lake uh, um, uh, uh, void of champ. And there's a lot of compelling evidence, obviously, hundreds of years of, of stories and witness sightings. And uh, I think the champ mystery is still very alive and well. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, yes, there there is something odd going on in that lake. And I think it takes the form of a lake monster. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I, I got to ask you, um, you know, being in California, and I think my my audience would be, you know, they'd be like, why aren't you asking them this? Have you ever uh, gotten into any uh, Bigfoot stuff? So, boy, I, I had the opportunity to uh, go to the Patterson-Gimlin site mm. uh, with uh, – um, uh Petikoff oh and really wow yeah Tay, yeah and yeah and, and those guys and i couldn't make it out i started oh, driving up and uh i got uh, i got a flat tire like halfway Oof. up there yeah and it, it just like the timing then got off and and i yeah. could it so that's literally one of like still one of my biggest regrets because we were gonna get to camp out i think they they made a documentary for for small town monsters about the oh yeah it's it's there. fantastic yeah bigfoot at bluff creek it's yeah. probably the one you're referring to it's it's one of my favorites of that series yeah i was good. gonna get to go out there with those guys and i oh, guess man. be a part of it but oh, I, I i couldn't make it 
I did meet up with them. There's a Bigfoot museum in oh, yeah. near like Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. um, like yep. Felton. And uh, I met up with them there. We we kind of chatted. It was like 4th of July morning. It was really. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, that that's, yeah. Uh, I think that's Mike Ruggs, uh, old school Bigfoot museum. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's I, I've been to that place he, uh, nice. a bunch of times. Uh, he told me a really interesting Bigfoot story where um, uh, uh, they had found like uh, it's a small town outside of uh, uh, kind of where I live. Um, it's in the San Jose area. I believe it's like near Hollister, California. Mm-hmm. I think she told me a story where they found uh, a cow with its head completely ripped off. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And not a clean, like is like ripped. I, I asked that question. Yeah. Was this like a clean cut? And they, he didn't have the, the answer for okay. me. Okay. But uh, uh, apparently there were some tracks like spotted with it. And uh, the, after that, they had what he claimed was kind of like a men in black. Uh, men in black showed up and started asking questions. Uh <laughs> So it's kind of Is like Petikoff. No, 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 this was a bit. This was the the guy that runs the museum. Okay, uh, I'm like, if this is Petikoff, I've never heard this. I'm gonna double check before theirs because <laughs> no, this no, story no, no, rocks. This wasn't from Petikoff. No. Okay, this, this is, is the uh, owner of the shop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So oh, he wow. told me that story. So that that's probably the weirdest Bigfoot story I've heard out in California. Um, even though there's there's some really weird ones. I think I have a Instagram post about. Uh, a Bigfoot sighting and then a guy claiming he was like possessed later on. Oh. Um, this is outside of LA. There's a bit, I have a Bigfoot story where oh, it's the, the book. It's like a book from the seventies just called Bigfoot. I believe Nice. There, there's a story in there where uh, there's a Bigfoot sighting and it kind of culminates in a black eyed kid encounter uh, uh, no. at, that shows up. I'm always on the lookout for the black eyed kids. So they, they keep popping up in my life randomly so oh i don't know what that means um Oof. but th- so i i've definitely i've uncovered some cool bigfoot stories but i i've yet to do like a proper squatching at which i i'm dying to do i am definitely you got to it's yeah. i feel like it's coming someday it'll it'll come it'll come yeah. I, I mean i had the like golden opportunity to do it with it close but I, everything happens for a reason yeah, yeah, everything yeah. happens for a reason. I, I, that one still stings looking back, mm-hmm. really, because that's a dream to get to that spot is just, uh, my God, the PGF I think is the best empirical evidence of any of this stuff that exists. I, I think. Oh, I, it's uh, hard to beat the Patterson Gimlin film, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, that's I, I feel the same way. Wow, this is, I love these episodes where you get to talk to someone and it's like throwing all this crazy stuff in here is such a good like thanksgiving yeah. dinner of cryptid and weirdness <laughs> and like just like john keelness is so so cool like i i appreciate you coming on nick this has been a super super fun chat um before you know before we go i want to give you the the chance to uh you know any closing thoughts uh that you have definitely feel free uh, and also, you know, how people can keep up to date with what you've got going on and anything that you would want to plug. Sure. Well, first off, thank you so much, Jeremiah, for having me. This has been a blast when whenever you I get it. to chat about this stuff. It's 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 always just uh, the highlight of the day. 
everybody can find me at California Creepy Pasta on Instagram. That's probably the best place to to interact with me or or to to see what I'm doing most up to date. There's also CaliforniaCreepyPasta.com. Um, I do have a, a, a Twitter, which is very rarely used, <laughs> but I'm I'm out there too. Uh, but definitely Instagram is the best place. Also, Paranormality Magazine. I write an article once a month. Uh, there's always something interesting kind of coming out there. And uh, Mysteries Decoded, uh, the uh, Lake Champlain Monster episode is available on the CW uh, nice. website, CW app. Uh, so definitely please go check that out. That, that would be awesome. And uh, there's just a lot more to come. As, as we mentioned, there's a, there's a really interesting paranormality uh, documentary project that we are in the very, very, very baby steps of, of, of building. But it is going to be something really, really cool. Uh, and it's going to tie into some of the stuff we talked about tonight. And I'm really excited. I'm about pumped, that. dude. Oh, man, that that's going to be so good. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a super fun chat. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremiah. Have a good one, man. You got it. Thank you for listening to Bigfoot Society. If you like the show, please review and rate it five stars on iTunes. Hit the share button and send this episode to all your friends on social media. Subscribe to Bigfoot Society wherever you listen to podcasts. It doesn't cost a thing. Pick up a Bigfoot Society shirt or enamel pin over on our Etsy page and people will tell you all about their Bigfoot sightings when you wear it. At least that's what people tell us. That's what happens. If you'd like to become an official member of Bigfoot Society with a membership card, a community of like-minded individuals, and extra content each month, then please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. Thanks for listening.